<laughs> so what do you think? Do nice work, I'll give them that, but Grogu is too young to operate heavy machinery. No. What do you mean, no? No. I think he's saying he's old enough to operate it. Yes. Welcome to Back in My Day, your host, Patrol Angelou here, uh, ready for some more Mandalorian talk, season three, and we're talking up to chapter 23. Oh, wait, 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 that's not right, that's not right. Patrol Angelou? Oh, wait, we gotta start this one over. All right, welcome everybody to Back in My Day. I am stepping into the hosting chair today. My name is Michael R. Power, and our host, David Petrangelo, uh, couldn't be here this week, so I am joined by... Ian Walter. Ian Walter, our regular third chair. And Petrangelo. Came from... Oh, that was funny. I do know where that came from, actually, but Dave's not going to get the reference, which makes it even better. <laughs> it's even um, better. <laughs> yes. So we, uh, Ian, last time uh, we got together, we talked Ninja Turtles, but before that... We talked about some TV, specifically The Mandalorian. It's a show that we've covered extensively on our podcast, uh, Back in My Day podcast, if, you, if you're new. It's the podcast where the not-so-stereotypical millennials uh, talk about things they love from their childhood and, and related to what's coming out today. So a lot of it is Star Wars. Mainly consumed by Star Wars. Yes, yeah, consumed by Star Wars and Marvel. Those are the things we loved when we were kids, and we refused to grow up. So <laughs> last time we talked uh, Mandalorian, uh, up to chapter 20. Uh, so season three, episode four had come out, chapter 20, The Foundling, and we talked about, so we talked about the first half of season three. Um, now where we are sitting today, um, the penultimate episode just came out a few days ago, and we are going to talk episode episodes five to seven. So we'll go through episode by episode and just high level, talk about what we thought about the episode. And then what I really want to get into is um, obviously the penultimate episode, and speculation on what we think is going to happen in the finale. I think it's going to go out with a bang, man. We'll see. Yes. Yes. I have come around a bit on this. Uh, I was probably the most down on it uh, compared to the three of us when we talked about it. And I've come around a lot, really enjoying the last few episodes. So let's just jump into it. We talk about uh, chapter 21, The Pirate. I don't want to go Ooh. too much into detail, but what, at a high level, you know, what did you think of the episode? What were the standout moments? Well, it's, um, it's interesting that we covered the first half of the show because, yeah, I know it was like a little up in the air. You didn't really know the, the clear direction of what was happening. I think you start to get that in the back half here. Clearly, by the penultimate episode, it's wrapping up and you kind of know, OK, that's where they were going all along. But the, the pirate, it was a cool way of like propelling the story forward in a way, but also just keeping it very action based and like return to form a little bit, maybe for what we're used to in The Mandalorian and like heavy on the action and really cool scenes with like the Mandalorians fighting in Navarro. We've seen them fight in Navarro before, right? In season one. Mm -hmm. So, so it's just like, it was a cool return to form in that respect. And I also like how this season has been focused on Bo-Katan. And I think that each title can allude to kind of her journey. If you really follow like this season's almost focused more on her than it is Din or Grogu. And I know you have thoughts on that too, Power. So mm -hmm. <laughs> what'd you think mm -hmm. of the pirate? Uh, yeah, I, I do like what you said. It this the show is titled The Mandalorian, and um, you know, it's obvious the first two seasons were about Din, but you could argue that this season is actually about Bo-Katan. She is the titular Mandalorian in this season, and it really starts to take that turn in this episode with the pirates. I think it sort of laid, lays those seeds. So I do like that. Um, I, I was wondering where they were going. You kind of seem to know a bit more about the history, the lore, the the wider story in the books about Mandalore. I had no idea about any of that stuff, so I didn't really know where it was going. I didn't really know a lot of the history and background, but you uh, and Dave were kind of telling me, you know, it's probably going to be about the fight for Mandalore and who's ruling Mandalore, and that really started happening in this episode. Uh, then you mentioned the problem thing I have a problem with, which is, um, like, I have a little bit of a gripe with Baby Yoda being included in this series he really has nothing right. to do he doesn't service anything for the plot i feel like he's just there to sell toys and merchandise which is fine you know that's obviously important to 
them to make money so they continue to make these shows. But it's kind of annoying when you see the sort of business side or executive studio notes like bleeding through the creative. Yeah. And every time I see him, he's like, why is he there? He's he serves no purpose. It would have I would have rather <laughs> than being cute. Him, other than being cute, but I would have but because the first season, two seasons were all about him and Din's journey and their their emotional goodbye, I would have preferred to spend a little more time with them apart. I think it would have made that final yeah. episode in season two a bit more impactful then eventually when they well, do together maybe years down the line who, there's lots of people who didn't watch the book of boba fett right so there's yeah, that, that too. aspect too in that like yeah. as diehard fans we know okay well there was a bit of a gap between season two mm-hmm. and three they're meant to you're meant to believe now that it's more like two years and it didn't mm-hmm. really feel like that but yeah. uh certainly having him back sooner than expected feels more of a studio note than what they were originally intending um but i do you think everything else with the story of the Mandalorians has been? Yeah, like really I do believe they stuff. had this plotted out probably from the beginning, and then it wasn't that hard to sort of insert him in, but he doesn't really serve any purpose. But he's cute and he's there. And well, to that know, point, I still, the I love stuff him, that but... they have done with him here has been more than just what we've come to expect in earlier seasons. Like it's a lot less of the goo goo gaga and a lot more of like, okay, he's going to do specifically this in this episode. He's going to do this in yeah. this episode. Yeah, um, he does a little. He, he's been used sparingly, let's say. Compared yeah. to previous seasons, um, but yeah, the the pirate was great for me. I liked how um, it kind of wrapped up the storyline with uh, Captain Gorian Shard, but also that we're seeing the armor and her journey in this has been really mysterious. And you know that that whole victory kind of vindicates them. They they've been granted a home if they want it on Navarro, but of course we know that's not like their end goal. Their end goal is to get to Mandalore and retake, it, and that's why. The armor makes a turn in this season and she starts to um, sort of bend on what we've known as the dogma of her like children of the watch and the the very serious, you know, Mandalorian culture. And she starts to send Bo-Katan off to kind of um, re, you know, find her kin. Um, so we we talked about the pirate just now. Then we go to chapter 22 where it's guns the, for the, the end of the pirate though the end of the pirate i gotta talk about that was the end that was the episode where so they defeat the pirates they save navarro that they get to settle there that they make camp there mm-hmm. but the end of the episode is, was the turn where all of a sudden the armor is like oh bo katan is the one and she can yes. walk both worlds and she can lead both us worlds. yeah she, all of a sudden she the went back on her yeah it's cool with someone taking off their helmet and i don't know that to me it came a little bit could be a strategic ploy. Could be a cunning um, ploy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just didn't see where that came from. The armor had been so dogmatic, I guess, leading up to this. But uh, maybe it was something, the ploy, uh, something she was actually planning all along. I don't know. But it did, It does make it, it is a cool moment for the character of Bogotan Because now she yeah. can be the character. She can be one that bridges both. So it serves... Well, she gets for the story. That, she gets a lot of redemption in in this moment, right? Because she's like she's shown her, proven her leadership, so almost mm-hmm. transcends whatever rules she doesn't necessarily follow. And because she was willing to follow them after being redeemed in the waters, it's like, wow, like you know, she's willing to wait, keep her helmet on, but you're now telling her to take it off. It's there's a that, little bit that of that was the most interesting part. She was yeah. redeemed because she was bathed, and she kept her helmet. And it wasn't until the armor told her. So something about her being redeemed. And then she found the way. Then it was like the armorer's choice and to let her. The armor is the only one that she told about the myths, which is yes, which um, must have played into it somehow. Okay, that's yeah. all I wanted to touch on. That was so, me for that. So episode. this is the interesting thing. We get this great episode, and I think like even though people were, I think the common sense consensus is people weren't digging the season as much as season two, which is fair. Season two for was sure. a great season, but we get to Guns for Hire, and all of a sudden we've got another really divisive episode, which. I didn't feel that way coming out of it, but then you see everyone's mm-hmm. reactions. And I guess it's just like some people view Star Wars in a certain way and get really like it's jarring to see them go in these really weird directions. But I don't know. I got to tell you, Star Wars has always been weird in a lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. uh, seeing Guns for Hire, seeing this random planet we never knew about, uh, kind of having their own set of rules was a cool uh, little side mission of an episode. And it had a lot of development for the whole relationship between Bo Katan and Din Djarin. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, the whole family really with Grogu there. Yeah, too. so this is the episode where they go to that sort of utopian planet with, with Jack Black and Lizzo. Yeah, Plazier that, 15, right, led by Lizzo 15. and Jack Black. Uh, the, you know? That just rolls off the tongue. But um, they 
whenever the episode was over, Wife Power and I looked at each other and we're like, that was the best episode of the season, right? And we're <laughs> like, yeah. We're like, yeah. There you go. Episode. Just the fact this... that you say that alone is like justification that we have to be able to get weird in Star Wars. We have to yeah. Go off in different directions for an eight episode show. It's, like, it's, it looks, it's supposed to be it's calm before entertaining. The storm. If you look at season one, they did that right before they had like the finale. Mm-hmm. They had an episode that was kind of a side mission. Same with season two. Like we had the one where they had to go off with Bill Burr and steal the. Yeah, it's always so been it a like... bit of a show like that where he's going off on missions, but there is the overarching thing happening throughout the season, like overarching story happening, usually in the bookends of the episode throughout the season that comes to a head in the final two episodes. That's sort of the formula of the show. So, you know, knowing that, um, as long as the episode pushes along that sort of plot a little bit i I like it when they go on adventures and then i just judge the episode by how fun is the adventure they go on and i thought this was a really cool adventure uh, it was a cool one that kind of tied in stuff from the prequel era and you Mm -hmm. got like it felt like a clone wars episode to me but live action in the best way possible like it was good way yeah yeah in a good way like it felt like like we're continuing like threads that were picked up in clone wars and rebels and stuff when you have battle droids going on the fritz but like on the whole, they're like recovering these old droids before they get decommissioned. It's like a cool mm-hmm. little yeah, Christopher Lloyd. Like... He had droid bar. Which yeah, that was no the biggest sense, cameo was of the three for me, right? It was <laughs> yeah. like seeing Doc Brown in Star Wars. It was pretty sick. And like, yeah, was it a little obvious maybe that they were leaning towards turning him uh, into a villain? Like, yeah, but like, I still love the moment where he's trying name dropping Dooku and he almost uh, revealed like Anakin Skywalker's name because he probably knew a little bit about that. Yeah. So like he all he almost like dragged Anakin Skywalker's uh, name through the mud and Bo-Katan got to electrocute his ass. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was fun to see Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, he I thought he did a good job. And Jack Black and Lizzo did their parts too. And I thought like it made sense to me. Like there's something about this amnesty program now where I'm even more suspect of like is it effective at all? It doesn't seem that way. It seems very corrupt. It seems like we've got spies all throughout the New Republic because of it. So like even this guy who claims to be reformed, it's like. Well, you you fell in love with the royalty of the planet, and you took over. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's it's a very empire still, right? So, yeah. For Jack Black, so yeah, it was an interesting episode for sure. Yeah, it was close. It was fun, right? Which you're sitting down to watch TV, and you want to be entertained, and you want to have fun, and that's what the, that's what the episode provided. So, but the thing that killed me is like, okay, it's not your favorite episode, fine, but that that's it's a weekly serial. So if there's yeah. one episode that like. Like your least favorite of season two, I remember was like the Ice Spiders one. But yeah, I, I liked it. It was an homage to Alien, not for everybody. It didn't further the story in a lot of ways, but it was still like a really cool one. And then the same director comes back and does the best episode in, se- in the mm-hmm. whole series. So it was like Peyton Reed, right? When he did the finale of season two. Is this season going to reach the heights of season two? That remains to be seen. It's, it's tall order in my mind, but it still yeah. has surprised me in different ways. The way they've gone with this whole like, Return of Moff Gideon plot thread. Mm-hmm. Um, what's this greater mystery behind? Like we know the Beskar left behind as a trace, right? So we're heading into this the this episode that we just watched the spies, but there was a teaser that there was Beskar involved and was it Mandalorians that was involved in recovering Moff Gideon? Or was it these new third generation dark troopers that he's come up with somehow involving cloning like Jedi? I'm assuming he meant the involvement of Grogu and mm-hmm. uh mandalorian armor like just like crazy combination of yeah like well, that's the next episode like... right yeah so so we'll put a bow on episode uh 21 the pirate guns for hire yeah now we're on to the spies so i just want to say one thing before we get into this episode as we're going as you as you mentioned a character you think might be a spy that they're referring to in the title just mentioned spy watch we're on spy watch for some of these characters heading into the finale Right. Um, so, so there's possible spies throughout this episode because the title is the spies. The title is the spies, and the titles in this episode usually have double double meanings, right? Like the last episode we talked about, twenty two is guns for hire. That could have double meaning. Yeah. Uh, double episode. Sorry, it's a double meaning because of the mercenary Mandalorians that Bo-Katan used to lead. Mm-hmm. They've gone off to be uh, guns for hire, basically, and now both Bo-Katan and Din are guns for hire in the on episode. this planet yeah. of Plazier Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so spies, that's interesting. And I will say, you know, White Power and I decided, we said episode chapter 22 was the best, like I just mentioned, but that was before we'd seen chapter 23. 
So I think chapter 23, in my mind, yeah. was even better because of the last 10 minutes. So yeah, I think it's the best a... episode in season three. And I yeah, hope we, that the we finale can spend a bit more time best on this episode if you want, if you want to sort of go over yeah. um, it in a bit more depth. Because like I, I, I want to hear, I want to hear your, uh, your thoughts on it. Because it, it was really one of those episodes that ties in things from the movies. You know, brings a lot of yeah. things in from the movies. And when really everyone got rattled, episode. you know, when everyone got rattled that they spent a whole episode on Elijah Kane and Doctor Pershing, well, you knew that that was going to mean mm-hmm. something. And here we are, mm-hmm. right? So the spies opens up, and here's the thing: we're on Spy Watch. So the first one we got to talk about is Elijah Kane because she's a known spy. Mm-hmm. Whether she's a double agent is another question, but I think she's a very obvious mustache twirling imperial spy, and she's working in the amnesty program for New Republic. She's feeding intel to Moff Gideon. But the opening of this episode is so cool because it's like on Coruscant and it's very Blade Runner-esque and she's walking through the streets and she has to find this Imperial probe droid to have a conversation with Moff Gideon. And it's an interesting conversation. What did you think about this episode overall and how it opened up? Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, you're right. Seeing that character come back. Um, yeah, it's like they set, they set her up. They brought her back. That's a good payoff. Um, they also set up, which we didn't mention, that Moff Gideon's ship never made it to trial. So we kind of knew he was coming back. And we kind of knew from casting he was and coming back. And so. Eskar Alloy was involved in the... Yeah. In yeah, case. so it opens with her. And then it's almost like a cold open. And it's on it's on the bad guys. It's on Elikane and then Moff Gideon. And what I really liked was Moff Gideon in his... I don't know what it is. His ship or his war room. talking well, to the other base, right? And we yeah, know his where base. It is. Yeah. yeah, talking to all the other... Uh, I guess leftover. It's the Shadow Council, right? It's all the Imperial remnants. It's like I'm a high-ranking Imperial who took my whole army at the, you know, at the end of yeah, just because uh, the rebels destroyed the Death Star and like one, there's still fragments of, you know, Empire supporters or people who worked for Empire out there still holding on to the vision. So. Yeah, and some um, of them fled to the outer rim and others to the unknown right. regions, right? So, so there's different things going on, and but I like that they all seem to be unified like secretly in the shadow council, but they're, they all also seem like they would happily step over one another to get to yes, the top. Because like, they are the bad guys after all. Yeah. So <laughs> we got uh, a few cool references here. We got the mention of Hux, which they yes. called General Hux. And I assumed it was yeah. the one from the movie. I assumed it was Donald Gleeson. Yeah, it so sounded Donald like him, Gleason's but it wasn't him. brother, right? Brian Gleeson plays this character and it's Hux, but it's Hux's father, and he's very instrumental in the whole this Operation Necromancer that they uh, they mention, and this idea of resurrecting Palpatine and creating the First Order. Like it kind of stems from his section of the Imperial Remnant. So the Hux we know from the movies, this is actually his dad, which is not yeah. explicit. It's not explicit in the episode, so it's a little bit confusing. But I yeah, it's a bit it's of an cool Easter for egg. the fans. Yeah. It's an Easter egg for the hardcore fans that want to. No, it I got to talk to you about the bigger Easter egg in the room, the bigger yes. elephant in the room, which is we know that, like as far as diehard like Rebels fans go, we know that Thrawn's going to be the big bad of probably mm-hmm. the Ahsoka series, I would, I would imagine. But just like the guy who is like the next big threat to the galaxy after Palpatine is Thrawn in the Legends material, Extended Universe, whatever. So And now in canon, because they have Timothy Zahn wrote another trilogy for Thrawn. So it happens in canon, but we didn't know for sure what lengths they were going to go to here. And they're teasing it heavily with this character, Pelion, who's driving the conversation. He seems to have enough sway to be able to grant the reinforcements for Moff Gideon, these Praetorian guards, three Praetorian guards, and like tie interceptor and bomber support mm-hmm. but basically they reveal that Pelion is waiting on Thrawn's return Moff Gideon kind of challenges that idea Thrawn is this like powerful uh, grand admiral within the empire that went off into the unknown regions uh, you know around the rebels era I'll just say I don't not get into the rebels details too hard but like Ahsoka is teasing this idea that she's going after what happened to Thrawn and the Pelion is trying to hold on to what Thrawn left behind and he's trying to tease this idea that he's coming back so it's an interesting thing because Moff Gideon's been the big bad for the Mandalorian but now it seems like there's even even bigger threat out there and Moff Gideon's just kind of in the way so we'll have to see what happens to him in the finale yes yeah we'll get into that in speculation but for now just the mention of Thrawn again I don't know anything about him but I guess for people who are into the um, extended 
Yeah, like if you Universe, read novels and novels, stuff like that, yeah. that's a huge Easter egg for them. But for me, what it looks like to me is they're just sort of setting up for him, which is fine. Um, yeah. And he's going to be the big guy for, you know. And the other story. one that they were saying, he's just like, he's dealing with scraps, like like chases in the streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. They mentioned some other random guy. I wonder if they're going to bring him and that storyline in on like something like Skeleton Crew or something when it comes right. out, right? Well, so they're show, trying yeah. to tie okay. it all together for a movie, right? So that was all just the first like 10 minutes of the episode. And then and then, and then the title card. Yeah, yeah exactly. and then the title card. We find yeah, out so there's a lot for the first episode. So Buff yeah, Gideon's back. Sure. And then, then what do we jump to? You know, what happens next in the episode? Well, basically, it's like we're on Navarro, and they don't even know if they're under attack again. But obviously, it's just the uh, Mandalorian mercenary fleet coming in. And I like this. It was like uh, uh, they called it a Starlight Cruiser or something, and mm-hmm. it had the Mandalorian logo painted all on its. Yes, it was huge. Yeah, it was... and and they get to like <laughs> post up that? on Navarro, and Grief knows that they're just like you know welcome guests. Mm-hmm. Um, and Grief Cargo goes to greet them, and then this is where we get the sequence where he invites Din and Grogu back to his office, and he's like, "I got a gift for you." He gave him the bottle of scotch, which was nice, right. the space scotch. Um, but but he also uh, you know he reveals IG Eleven has been repaired by the Anzellans. You got a little guy though driving him like a mech, and he's and they call him IG twelve. Yes, yeah, that's right, which is nice. Um, so it was an interesting spin on. I didn't want them to bring him back fully because I think it would undermine his sacrifice in season one. But mm-hmm. they're now allowing Grogu to do some interesting things comically, and uh, it was a fun little sequence, and it's fun to give little Grogu something bigger to do. Yeah, like so they built IG eleven into a mech that Grogu drives. Yeah, which was ridiculous. <laughs> that was it. ridiculous. It was, it was like the comic relief of the episode, but then I guess it helps Grogu hold his own a little bit in the action scene, so it no longer has to be like carried and all that. So I guess it serves a purpose. Yeah. And then it's the Easter egg of the it being, you know, Taika Waititi's character, and which we all loved. Yeah, and it's IG just 11, two buttons, so. yes and no. Yeah, he gets the top. And those finally. are Grogu's first words, is <laughs> no. no. Yeah, and he really likes to say no, like any child, so that, that fits. All right. Yeah, so after sure. that sequence, uh, that's when they go to Mandalore, right? Finally, finally, yeah. So like, Bo-Katan is taking, you know, it's it's a mixture of like respect to the armor, but Bo-Katan is taking the charge on like the field operations, right? She's like deciding, like we're gonna go and take. Like, armor gives the okay to take back Mandalore. Bo-Katan gets to lead the charge, kind of thing. It's like right. So she's she's got everyone going, and and basically the, it's a big risk to their people so they're not sending the entire people to mandalore at once they want to go and kind of test the area out yeah she they say things have happened Pe- species have come up and yeah the, the not purge bombings it's... have awakened like ancient like yes and something that's like that. right so, so yeah so basically like we have all these volunteers and of course it's gonna be the main characters you got din jaren rides Ride or die for Bo-Katan. He says, Grogu's coming too. He doesn't have a choice. Um, (laughs) It's basically... And then, like, her people, uh, some of her main lieutenants in the mercenary crew, and then, of course, Paz Vizsla and the armor step up. So there's some interesting things going on between Paz Vizsla. I don't know if it's... Like, the armor and Paz Vizsla, I don't know if it's just because they're, like, OG children of the Watch, and they, like, never reveal their face, so you don't know what's really going on. But, like, there's a relationship between them that kind of, I feel, is going to be explored in the finale. I don't know what you think. Um, but it seems like they're alluding to something with the armor. I don't know if it's like a, a pump fake. Like I don't know if it's like a red herring. But yeah. it seems like they're making the armor out to be. No, making her more involved in this yeah. season a little bit. I do love her voice though. Besides everything happened to her, armor has the best voice, the most soothing yeah. voice. But I also perfect. question if we should put her on Spy Watch as the next character Ooh. because she has uh, volunteered to avoid the Great Forge that she spoke highly of. And she takes these wounded Mandalorians. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll to get to that. Fleet. We'll get to that once we get so, to yeah. the sort of betrayal part. But for for what happens, what happens when they land on the planet is that they find these like Mandalorians that have been there all along. I found that kind of strange. Like, oh wait, there are people been there all along. So yeah, there's like a surviving remnant of Mandalorians right. on the planet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I, they find that. Did, it did, did seem people, fishy to me. <laughs> yeah, did those people mean like? Do they have any greater meaning? Were they? people that you recognize their names from any other lore or anything like i was, was I supposed uh, to know who they were didn't bring anything for okay. me and i think that they're supposed to be mysterious in a way for this episode for the purpose yeah of the episode, yeah so so those what's important to know is that those characters you know sort of bend the knee to bokatan um because she was royalty before so they presumably know know her and then they offer to bring 
our characters to the forge, right? And that's where they're she the goes uh, down. land pirates of the wastelands of Mandalore. Yes. They have these yes. like ship land ships. So the, at the forge, um, we get the big. This is where the well. So they're on their way right? there, and I gotta, I gotta now put the survivor Mandalorians on spy watch because mm-hmm. they're on their way there. It's like. I don't know if they knew to lead them into this big kaiju beast. That kind yeah, of what was that? Was that wasn't that a mythosaur? That no, was that not wasn't. the mythosaur. Okay. So I, I, I wonder if it's like we're gonna get a lot of these big beasts. The mythosaur is probably slightly bigger, and we might have like a battle between beasts at the end. Oh damn, something. that would be cool. Um, but there was this big beast, and I don't know if they knew or they were just as dumb as everybody else that they shouldn't be anywhere near this thing. But mm-hmm. of course, it was right beside where they were trying to go. Now, are we putting them on? I think we should put them on Spy Watch because are they just like spies from Off Gideon? He says he's got spies across the galaxy. And maybe mm-hmm. if he settled Mandalore, he found the survivors and turned them. Yeah. But, and obviously, what happens so that the big monster hits them, they have to run underground. Then what happens when they get to the forge is they're ambushed by Moff Gideon. Gideon. And this Which is, is like the coolest kind of because in season one, we get only episodes seven and eight have Moff Gideon in them. So mm-hmm. it's like happening again in season three. You know, he wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, he was also in the finale of season two, obviously, but like in season one, when we first meet him, he's only in those last two episodes. So we're getting that right. repeating again here in season three, where he's in the last two episodes because we know he's going to be in the finale. Because basically, mm-hmm. we've said Bo Katan took the forefront in this season and Din Jarn is kind of just like her companion. He gets captured by the end of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't really know how that's going to play out. Um, the other character I want to place on Spy Watch is the one they send off to the back to the fleet yes. because it's not just the armor that's heading back there with the, the wounded. It's uh, Axe Wolves, who's like he was the leader of the mercenaries before Bo-Katan challenged him and took took over. So yeah, so the episode is called The Spies. We don't. It's not clear what exactly that means, but you know, I think Moff Gideon mentions that he had spies. He did kind of ambush them. So so th- so presumably there's someone that knew the plan. Um, that and, off. of course uh, writing this you know writing reviews and such for Dork Side of the Force I'm re-watching these episodes almost immediately because I'm trying mm-hmm. to get details for my article and you know I couldn't help but notice he talks about with Elia Kane he's like she's like it was Mandalorians They and he said which Mandalorians so he actually might know some other Mandalorians mm-hmm. and the other thing too is we talked about these third generation dark troopers are pretty badass and they're made of beskar alloy suits so who's forging this and I, that's why i point back to the armor like who's forging right. the armor okay. for the dark troopers right i and was she yeah has so the, that's the i was thinking the guy who flew off the the Mandalorian pirates they found i was not thinking the armor so those are the three main uh contestants on spy watch we'll say <laughs> so yeah all right yep. so so now it's get, a pretty cool episode with a lot of action. And then, of course, yeah. like Din gets taken to the briefing room. He's captured. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get the scene that I think is the standout of the episode, at least for me. Yes. Um, it was a really cool uh, visual representation within Star Wars. And it's just like we have a main character now who's presumably come to an end. And, you know, it was kind of it was at least heart heart wrenching at in the moment. And it's Paz Vizsla. Who was originally voiced by John Favreau, and and now, uh, you know, he's become more than just this brute who is the antagonist for Din. He's become like an ally in this greater battle to retake Mandalore, and he's done a lot with his heavy weaponry to like mm-hmm. take out these dark troopers. But it's the Praetorian Guard, the one that uh, Moff Gideon ordered, the three of them that come after he wipes out a bunch of dark troopers, and he's kind of doing it so that the other Mandalorians can get away. And these Praetorian guards just come and just take, eat, like, make short work of this guy and take care of him, and he's done for. And the mm-hmm. Praetorian guard, these red kind of, like, they remind me of the Imperial Praetorian guards for Palpatine in the original trilogy, but they also remind me of the ones from The Last Jedi. Regarding yes. The last time we'd and, seen them was the, was the Last Jedi, right? Yeah. 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 So, so that's three, really cool. Them showing guards up. take out Paz Vizsla. And it's a spectacle, man. That was mm-hmm. my favorite part of the episode. For sure. mm-hmm. So, of course, when they waste Paz Bizla, that's the end of the episode, right? So we roll we roll credits mm-hmm. on that. And then, so to recap, it's called The Spies. We get introduced to the Lion King. She's the obvious spy, but it's, of course, a plural, The Spies. So Spy Watch dictates there's got to be another spy that informed Moff Gideon 
of the Mandalorian's whereabouts and helped him set up that base and everything. So, um, yeah, what do you think? The spies, we've said it could be either the armorer, which I think would be a little bit of an obvious, obvious twist, but we'll have to see what she's up to heading back to the fleet right now. There's also Axe Woves who's headed back to the fleet. Mm-hmm. So are they in could, could no they couldn't be because they're on separate yeah, I think so we're either gonna go with one or the other. Yeah or the ones that are on Mandalore, which is the surviving Mandalorian. I'm gonna go with something that you brought up, which is and it would be the biggest twist, and that's if the armorer was the spy. If the armorer betrays yeah. the Mandalorians, okay, cool. That would be a huge twist. I'm kind of sad to have it said that the surprise will be ruined, but I'll still be shocking. Yeah, I'll, but... I'll be a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> but that but would be such a huge twist. It'll not as upset awesome. as I'll be. Uh, there's a fifth possibility of a spy, if you want to know. Um, okay. If they make it Bo-Katan, because the focus of the season yeah. has been her. So if they turn her to a real villain, I'll be really upset, because that's some real good character development we've gotten up to this point. Yeah. And then one last thing in the episode that I want to point out that we didn't really talk too much about was Moff Gideon's like awesome suit where he's mm. is made out of beskar armor glad you brought that it's up Darth i want to get a little here i want to get a little yeah so let's territory. let's get into it um so that is a crazy beskar alloy suit it's probably like of his dark trooper suits it's like the primo you know he he shows up with the horned helmet right mm-hmm. now horned helmet so this we were just talking about but uh also so the in, helmet is horned is that is that a thing is that like a thing well it's it's a bit of a thing for like you know death watch and then what ultimately became uh, a bit of a spoiler for clone wars but darth maul takes over mandalore at some point and like the peak of his power darth maul has a very a, a larger characterization in the greater star wars saga than in right. the skywalker saga and the skywalker saga shows up you know phantom menace gets axed in half and that's kind of the end of his story he kind of pops up here and there in other things, but the main arc for him is his return in Clone Wars and then ultimately in Rebels. So it's just cool to see because this question we just mentioned the armor is our prime suspect. She is the only other Mandalorian we've been exposed to in this show with a horned helmet. Interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. Um, the other deep cut territory I wanted to get to was not that Bo-Katan is the spy, but because the title is the spies and they've related a lot of her story, the titles for all these episodes have related to her story. Mm-hmm. Could we get a really deep cut in that it is the armor and they don't stop there? The identity of the armor is revealed to be like maybe Bo-Katan's sister. Oh yeah, and Clone Wars maybe or they're in on it. Imagine that. Maybe, yeah, like maybe there's something connected to Bo-Katan, and that the armor has greater sort of link with Bo-Katan than we ever suspected. That'd be crazy, man. So yeah, but, so uh, all we know is they spent a lot of time on the armor, like flying off to the fleet, and she was rescued yeah. and wounded. So that's and she needed to the... avoid that big Moff Gideon surprise, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think it's. A lot about the spies. What about Moff Gideon and you know his plans, his armor? How do you like how that came together? I know he had so I know I understand he's taking over Mandalorian and he's using it for the Beskar armor, right? Yeah. And presumably he's gonna make a whole army of Beskar armor. So that's the one. Um then he's saying he learned things from Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then he said clones. So um, I guess well, we saw him walking by the vats of clones. Vats, right? right. So, so I'm guessing he's cloning army, he's gonna put them in Beskar ar- armor. But what is it about the Jedi? Is he going to give? Is he going to somehow learn? I the think force? Dark is Troopers, third generation, the ultimately force? they'll have dark abilities. Yeah, like dark so. force powers. So wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, dark stormtroopers with Beskar armor and force powers. Like that truly is <laughs> yeah. a plan that the, that the bad guys coming up with. That is like epic, and it like really insane. would yes. make it like him have the strongest army. So he is like a yeah. to me, he's like. This is, makes him like the biggest threat of any bad yeah. guy we've seen in and a long time. And he's the most ambitious. Like we gotta, we gotta realize. Like yes, they're setting up this idea of cloning, continuing on, and of ultimately being used by Palpatine. But that, like I said, the deeper cuts suggest that it's more like the Hux angle that is mm-hmm. going with the Operation Necromancer. So this is Moff Gideon on his own doing cloning experimentation that has nothing to do with Palpatine. And it's yeah. like terrifying what he's willing to do with these dark troopers. Yeah, it's interesting and... that he's 
part of the council, but he seems to be also doing his own thing, right? Like like all of these sort of empire people in the council are probably all also like jockeying for power and have their own plans and yeah, they're coming together because they have you know like-minded interests. But you know they're also bad guys from yeah. each other. They back. also get paint the, sense the new republic he... in a really stupid light, right? They're like, yeah, we yeah. just got to keep it a secret, guys. Like they'll never yeah. know. And that amnesty program is proof of it. I think. I think it's a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's he's who's cool bad guy. All right, so so yeah, so on... we're coming up on the finale. Like, yeah, will let's put a bow on the episode and talk about uh, speculation. For the final yeah, like, what, what do you want to see? Will this will this thing surpass the height of season two, which, in my opinion, was the finale of season two and the whole like goodbye, like you said, whether or not that is undercut moving forward into season three like i think we won't really be able to judge until we've seen the series end and kind of reflect on the whole but it was a high point and they kind of like okay brought him back in the fold by way of book of boba fett so that's where i want to talk about the finale are they going to involve is this going to be a really large scale finale are we going to get like someone like boba fett and fennec shan back in here the whole party together like yeah is this something wow. we're going to see on mandalore Oof. I don't know, man. They, so, like, for me, what they have to resolve, right? They have to resolve uh, Din getting caught. Yeah. They have to defeat um, Moff Gideon. And they have to bring to a conclusion the sort of uh, Bo-Katan story and the sort of end of Mandalore. And she has the Darksaber now, and she's the leader. And so... And will um, we see Bo-Katan or someone else ride the Mythosaur? Is there any... Yeah, the Mythosaur. That has to pay off. Is there any other threads just from this season that have to pay off to, to wrap up before we talk about other um, characters? Like I in? said, I think Thrawn is more of a greater tease. We yeah. saw Ahsoka name-dropped him in Season 2. Do they have uh, to wrap but, up the Pershing stuff? Like, Does that have to come back and have a sort of... I, I wonder if on it? his story is done like they kind of said that they... You know, fried his brain. His but mind, like, yeah. They did spend a lot of time on him. Um, unless it was just to further a Kane story. I, I don't right. know. That's a good point. Um, I do think that even though Thrawn isn't the focus, and this might take away from Moff Gideon's story, but I do think we might get a glimpse of him or at least a post-credit scene involving Well, Thrawn knowing to, what to happened... To kind of tease Ahsoka. Yeah, knowing what happened in um, Season 2 when Luke showed up, knowing, you know... Soka showed up, knowing in Boba Fett that other characters have shown up. I think they like saving it for the end, a big reveal of a, of a character showing up that you're not expecting. So, who is that character going to be? Is it going to be Luke again? Is it going to be someone else from the original series that we haven't seen? Is it going to be... It would be less impactful if it was someone like Fennec Shand or someone that we've seen just or before. Or the but... ultimate marketing tool for Jedi Survivor, Cal Kestis himself, Cal Kestis, Cameron yes. Monaghan. Okay, so something like that I think is going to happen too. So, so yeah, I I'm I don't know who I'm not, I'm not gonna say Luke. I'm not gonna say Calcasus. I think the most obvious thing is Thrawn showing up. I think it's yeah, like I think so too. And 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 being like a significant part of the episode, you know, that's what I think is. A, you got to remember, like when we introduce when we were introduced to the Mandalorian, like Din Djarin, in mm-hmm. season one, it's um you know uh, Werner Herzog's the client the the client. Mm-hmm. It was just like this imperial officer. We didn't know anything about, and he was the bad guy. He was the right. guy giving the mission to Din. And then at the end of season one, he gets wiped out by Moff Gideon, and all of a sudden, it's the next big bad. So is something similar going to happen? We're going to get Moff Gideon gets immediately challenged by Thrawn, and Thrawn just immediately takes over, or they're still going to be butting heads heading into the next season or whatever it is. Yeah, who knows, eh? All right, so... Uh, um, I think that's all I have on the episode. I'm just excited for this final because the typically the final episodes have been um, yeah. I the think big it ones, ramped so. up, and I think that all the pieces are in place where like each episode did a nice job of like getting us to where we are now. Oh, and, and someone the, will rise they... in Mythosaur. That is my last yes, speculation. Yes, yes. Someone, and it would be dope if it was Grogu. But someone will ride the Mythosaur. Now that he has IG12, I don't know, but Grogu riding a Mythosaur yeah. would be bananas. Yeah, interesting detail in in that uh, you know in this latest episode when Paz Vizla was like at odds with the mercenary Axe Wolves because they were playing mm-hmm. that uh, space chess, and then it was Grogu who like split them up, and it was Grogu who defused the Rancor and Book of Boba Fett. So like Grogu's definitely got that kind of like Zen thing about him where 
He didn't learn it from Din, apparently. It's mm-hmm. it's Luke Skywalker and the two years yeah, they spent together. But um, yeah, we'll see if he can kind of tame the myths or myths or That's him. right. He trained with image. Luke for two years. None of that is yeah. really. I see when he says you know, he has a line. He didn't learn that from me. Maybe he meant Luke. Okay, so. Anyways, as you could probably tell, we're really um, enjoying this season. I still think The Mandalorian, in my mind, continues to be the best thing Star Wars since the original trilogy. I would go original trilogy and then Mandalorian. as like my favorite uh, in Star Wars to watch. I know it's not a movie, but it's just it's just a lot of fun. And I think it's John Favreau hats off to him and Dave Filoni because it's a great entertaining series and it's brought the love of Star Wars back to me for sure. So um, I think we should we'll get Dave in and we'll definitely recap. Oh, we got to talk episode. about the finale because yeah. we know we're going to have thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And especially this, uh, you touched on Dave Filoni, like this announcement over Star Wars Celebration, the fact that he's getting a movie, he's going to get, he's directed live action within this. Yeah, we have, we first... have some time. So let's, so that's it for Mandalorian. Let's now talk about the Star Wars Celebration announcements. Let's do okay, that. Okay, let's do this it. Is... Um, the main content drop was the Ahsoka series uh, trailer, and we we've, we've talked about how it's you know she got her start in the Mandalorian. We've done an episode talking about uh, Rosario Dawson playing the character, mm-hmm. but it's just cool to see our first look at that show, and it has a bit of a different tone in my opinion than the other two, uh, with with the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. So, what did you think of that trailer? And then, of course, the other announcements were the three movies coming out, among other yeah. things. Uh, so, Soka, the big, I'm, the big Soka I'm clearly um, excited for, but I don't think it was as exciting as the movies because it was known it was coming out. We just kind of got the trailer, which looked very good. But again, I'm not, I don't really know who Thrawn is. So, it looked very good. And I'll, I'll wait till it comes out, and I'm just a little bit more excited for it because of the trailer. It looks great. Yeah. So, we have three big movie announcements, and I think the order of them appears to be. The Lindelof project that got dropped got picked back up with the same director, and it's going to be a movie taking place 15 years after The Rise of Skywalker, after the Skywalker saga, but does feature Daisy Ridley's Rey coming back to the role. That's mm-hmm. one major thing that they're working on, and probably the first thing that will come out. But Dave Filoni also is getting a movie. His directorial debut came coming from The Mandalorian, and he's done both Clone Wars and Rebels. Now he gets to do a story, a movie, that is going to be the culmination, like crossover event. We're talking like comic book mm-hmm. style, like MCU style crossover event between the characters of the, the Mandalorian, Avengers Infinity War, Ahsoka, Star Wars, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and even Skeleton Crew. So, and the Book of Boba Fett. So, all these shows are within the same time frame of the New Republic mm-hmm. are going to come together in a movie that Dave Filoni can direct. But so finally, cool. if if that wasn't enough to sort of keep us happy for the next couple of years. James Mangold is getting a movie, and it's so we've got the present and the future covered by those first two announcements. Now we're going in the past, as far back as we've ever gone in Star Wars, about 25,000 years, even before the Old Republic, which is what a lot of people want to see. It's the dawn of the Jedi. I think that a movie directed by James Mangold, who did both Logan and he's doing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, is going to be insane to see his take on Star Wars. Insane. Yes, yeah, so... Number one, the James Mangold one I'm most excited for because they're doing what we always wanted them to do and getting out of the time period completely of any of any of the movies, right? Because even these Mandalorian shows are in the time period in between two of the trilogies and the, the Daisy Ridley series, to me, is a continuation of the Skywalker saga. It's like the next... It, it's, it's a sequel to the next movie. It's following her story, which three movies wrote her. I know they want to say... The Skywalker saga, yeah. the Skywalker saga ended, but really, I think like having her in the timeline as a character is not a problem. It's just how they approach it. I don't want to see Episode Ten. Like I don't want it to be focused on. Like I know she's going to be building the the Jedi Order, but like let's have a new sort of saga, if you will. If you want to plan nine films beyond the Skywalker saga, just don't make it about the Skywalker. But even the even each trilogy is focused on a new character in the Skywalker saga, right? They just called the nine films the Skywalker Saga and they said it was ending with The Rise of Skywalker and then they're making another movie now. They're obviously, I think they're going to stick to it and say, you know, the Skywalker Saga is over. This is a new saga, but you know, I'm not buying it. This is a continuation movie of that, of those movies, right? So sure, say what you want, call whatever you want. But I, I, when they said, told everyone, this movie is the end of the Skywalker Saga, when they're talking about, obviously that's a ploy to sell tickets, get people to theaters. Like they really made it seem like None of these characters are going to come back in any movies, right? That was that's 
what was implied by saying this is the end of the Skywalker saga, that you're not going to see Ray Skywalker again in a movie. You're not going to see any of these characters again in a movie. Now, that was obviously that. that movie. That's not realistic, knowing today's day and age and, you know, how many sequels get made could have just been a ploy to save money. And um, but I just it is kind of funny that they said that. And now they're just a few years later, they're making yeah. this new movie with Ray. So, so interesting. I'll tell you, I'm 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 willing to bend the rules a lot more than you. I think so. I I draw the line at, at as long as they call, don't call it Episode Ten and consider it part of the Skywalker saga. I can safely consider it like the next generation of yeah the sure. Star Wars galaxy. So it's whatever, what I'm least excited for like. either way. But it is it's. The but sp- I don't want it to be like you know third order or whatever this the yes. next empire yeah. is like i want it to be another line of adversaries that have yeah. nothing to kind of do with the empire. something different not like a reboot of you know uh, uh but a new hope, no, a new hope the praetorian again. guards not that they would be necessarily connected to anything like that but some sort of warrior race that like is just as formidable as jedi but like are from the unknown regions or something like that would be a cool thing to, idea to explore and something from legends which they're they've been known to cherry pick the best ideas within legends like things from you know darth plagueis and whatever else they're doing uh something from legends yuzhan vong is a totally new kind of enemy that the galaxy faces and they're from the unknown regions if they brought those into live action that could be a whole next decade of star wars telling storytelling for star wars so yeah it'd be cool so so like it's i'm would say i'm i was least excited for that one but then hearing the plot that it's going to be um Daisy Ridley starting a new Jedi Order. That's kind of the movie that I wanted. That's kind of how Khan wanted to see Luke in my next movie. So I'm kind of getting the movie I always wanted. So I thought about that in the same way that in The Rise of Skywalker, I thought about oh, they did a they did a Princess Leia or General Leia training to become a Jedi. Yeah, yes, uh, sequence. Yeah. And now when I when I saw them do okay, they're gonna build the Jedi Order finally, but it's not finally, Luke, yeah. it's gonna be Ray. Yeah, yeah. So I it's thought like about it just, you. It took so a little like, while to get through what I wanted. So yeah. <laughs> the the premise of the movie has more excited made me more excited after I read about what it's actually gonna be about. So not totally yeah. down on it. I think but, there's a high chance of getting uh John Boyega back as yeah, and, and I mean, giving I guess, him like I guess the Jedi treatment back, for sure. You are continuing in my mind the saga, so bring them all back. But the um the other two movies to me are much more exciting, especially the James Mangold one. It's doing what we always said we wanted Star Wars to do, which is like get out of this time period, do something completely different, go way back in the past or way in the future, and just tell. Yeah, and it can be really different. Like you can do whatever you want. Twenty five thousand. Tell different stories, right? Do what Marvel does, which is um, they'll use the Captain America movies to tell spy thrillers, and they'll use Doctor Strange to tell a magic story. And they'll use Guardians to tell space stories. Like use Star Wars, use the universe well, you have to tell stories. Just like the Mandalorian is kind of like a Western, right? So they're kind of doing it with the Mandalorian. Well, and so hello, can... I'm I'm glad that you mentioned Marvel because James Mangle is the perfect guy to get because he did yeah, Logan, he right? Did Logan. So like we're talking about a Western style do series or tell a rated R story or even more kiddie story. Like do like no, don't feel so sane with the nine movies do, right? So let's see something different, and that's what I've always wanted, and not behold to. Um, things that happen in those movies right like no more prequels where you know what's gonna happen you know who's gonna live who's gonna die like something totally different yeah exactly like if you're going twenty five thousand years there's not even yoda you're not doing yeah we're not gonna know anyone these characters whole new characters whole new stories i'm excited for that and then i'm also excited obviously for the uh dave filoni one because i think he deserves it because what he's proven in the tv shows and we already said tv shows we think are the best thing since the original trilogy and so to have those culminate in movies. Imagine this awesome. movie could be ranked higher than an original and, trilogy film. Yes, and I just can't... It's amazing to be in a place where you're going to have a movie to go to the theaters and get a movie. The prerequisite is going to be like watching like a bunch of seasons of something yeah. on Disney+. Plus. Like That's crazy, Basically what can, Multiverse they, of Madness was, yeah. but for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, like they can get away with that. Like, Is it going to make sense for people who just... Like my parents who don't watch Disney+, Plus and just go to the latest Star Wars movie? I don't know. Like, right? Well, or is they gonna pay they will more? set it up with the three-act structure. They're going to try their best to do like what the Avengers did and like make a story that kind of works on its own, but it's going to obviously pay off bigger right. to have this backstory from all the main characters. Like, from, yes. You know, from all, it's a culmination event. It's right. pretty unprecedented. Like it's so cool. it is precedented by the MCU, obviously, but it's unprecedented in Star Wars for sure. For, yeah. To be a TV, like the MCU are movies that you could 
go to the movie theater, obviously, or you could rent video on demand through anything or whatever. This is like if you don't have Disney Plus, like these movies might this movie that's in theaters might not make sense to you, which is like yeah, a crazy world wild. that we live in. Yeah. It's like they're limiting their audience to Disney Plus subscribers almost for this movie, right? Which is it's kind of amazing, but it's kind of also crazy. So yeah. it's it's just that's how popular the Mandalorian is. You know, it's like so many millions of people are watching the Mandalorian will have Disney Plus that they can put a movie in theaters and have it make sense financially yeah. to do that so it's kind of cool and it also makes sense the order of which they're doing them they know that ray is something like ray is tried and tested like the mm-hmm. fans of the films will come out and then this is going to capture the disney plus crowd like you said the mangled one is the one i'm most excited about too and i think that like just him being able to play in a realm that doesn't touch anything else like the skywalker saga is it's just an exciting prospect and logan the most messed up thing about it is it's my favorite X-Men film out of the 10 plus films yeah. or whatever they did. And it has nothing to do with X-Men. Like it's basically just yeah. Wolverine and, and Professor X and it's still my favorite of all those movies. So and could Mangle, we get a movie that was his here vision. Yeah. that cracks the top three and it becomes oh. over top and becomes better than one of the original trilogies. That if is one the of these question. three can crack our current top three, which yeah. is the original trilogy for me Same, uh, and for you, um, it, that would be impressive. Yeah. 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 All right, so I think, yeah, that's a lot of Star Wars. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Um, again, sorry, Dave, you missed all the Star Wars talk, but we'll, we'll have to there's get back plenty to of it. the... Yeah, there's plenty of more Star Wars talk. Are we were recording? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is just a regular night for, for you and I. <laughs> all right, so uh, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to help the podcast out, you can leave us a little review, a uh, five-star review, or write, write something if you want on uh apple podcast that one helps the most uh our social media is at day back in that's at day back in on most social media platforms uh twitter instagram tiktok we're probably most active on twitter and instagram and the podcast is called back in my day and we have a patreon where you can find us recapping a lot of these disney plus shows whether it's star wars or marvel that's uh, patreon.com slash back in my day get real nerdy Yes, even more nerdy. Speaking than of getting real nerdy, hour. if you uh, were digging the Bad Batch, check out Dork Side of the Forest, where I've written uh, five things that we want to see answered in season three, the final season of the Bad Batch. Check That's that right. Out and check out our very own Ian Walters writing on Dork Side of the Forest. Uh, he does great work over there. So awesome. Thanks, Ian, for joining me. And uh, we'll see you next time when we're talking either Ninja Turtles 2, because we are reviewing the Ninja Turtles movie, or maybe. Yes, or maybe we'll be the Mandalorian. No, one of those two.